Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, we'll be finishing up the chapter today. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 24. Let's face it. Being a Christian is hard. Do I hear any amens? Amen. Being a Christian is hard. We, we, you know, we, we can say it's hard today, you know, uh, with so much that's out in the world. But it's always been hard. It was meant to be hard. Jesus said it would be hard. And that's one of the things we're going to see in the text today. But it's worth it, isn't it? It is worth it. Jesus tells us that we're to take up our cross. The song we just sang, Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow Thee. And, and uh, when we take up our cross, it, it, can, it can look in a, a lot of different ways for each one of us. It's looked different for Christians throughout the ages. I mean, the Apostle Peter, when he (laughs) took up his cross, I mean, eventually, whenever he died, tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down. So in a way, it was literally taking up a cross. And other Christians throughout the ages, and we don't see that today so much in the United States where we live, but if you go to the Middle East or someplace like that, maybe you would still see something like that. Today, taking up our cross means something a little bit different. It's taking up the reproach of the cross. It's denying ourselves. It's, it's a life of self-denial. Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus told His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning to know what it means to carry our cross, to know what it means to deny ourselves. And so it's so difficult to do because just by nature we want to have our own desires. Lord, help us to deny ourselves. Help us do what we can't do without Your help. So that we may one day see You. To see Your glory. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, give me grace and strength as I preach Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're just coming off that last story that we we looked at. We had Jesus, 
Well, Jesus had asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And we had Peter, who, who uh, he, was, he was the one who finally, he got it when everybody else was being quiet and didn't know what to say. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus commends Peter. He says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the next thing we know, Jesus starts to explain that the Son of Man is going to have to suffer many things and be crucified. And Peter says, no, I'm not going to let it happen. And Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. Well, the connection that has to our text today is Jesus here. He said to us that he was going to have to suffer. He was going to go to Jerusalem and suffer, and He was going to give His life there upon a cross, though He would rise again. And here, Jesus is telling us, just like He had to literally carry a cross up to Golgotha, that we all have a cross to carry as well. And He helps us out here in knowing what this means. Jesus' words here are literal for Himself, but I think that 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 is a metaphor for us. It's a a metaphor. We don't literally carry a wooden cross on our backs. But what does it mean? He tells us, deny Himself. That's what it means to carry our cross. We deny ourselves. Take up His cross and follow Me. We're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus if we're going to take up our cross. Now I have to step back here for a minute. Are we saved by self-denial? No! We're not, well, we're not saved by some kind of asceticism. We're not saved by the works that we do. We do have to deny ourselves. Because as unbelievers, before we come to Christ, we are the king of our lives. We want to, to run our lives the way we want to run them to make us happy. And so, When we confess Jesus as Lord, then yes, in a very real sense, we are are giving up the right to rule our own life. And yes, that is is what it takes to be saved. I don't want to diminish that. We, We are taking the crown off our own head and we are giving it to Jesus. Because He's King anyway. That kind of self-denial. We come to the end of our rope, we realize I can't do it on my own. I can't run my life. I've made a mess of everything. Here, Jesus, you take it. You clean it up. Because I can't. That's grace. That is still grace. But we are not somehow, I don't want us to misunderstand this, we are not saved by some kind of asceticism where we, you know, have a strict diet and we do all of these things so that God will accept us. <laughs> that, that's, that's the wrong kind of self-denial. 
Self-denial is essential to the Christian life. It is essential, but we, we got to keep, keep the right focus. We don't do this so that God will somehow accept us. We don't, um, we don't you know, go, go live in a monastery somewhere and, and uh, devote our lives just to, to only, only praying all the time and, and all of those kind of works to try to somehow let God accept us. That is the wrong kind of self-denial. But self-denial means we let Jesus be the boss. We, set, we, we give Him control of our lives. We say, I am yours. Do with me as you will. Do you see the difference? What does that look like to deny ourselves? We don't, I mean, like I said, we don't have the kind of physical persecution that they had in Jesus' Jesus day and and their following in the early church. We don't have in our country, in our culture, in our setting, we don't have that kind of physical persecution where our life is at stake, though it exists in this world today. So what does it mean to carry our cross? What does it mean to deny ourselves? Well, one aspect is we fight our sin. We fight our sin. We don't just say, oh, it's no big deal. I can just do what I want and God will forgive me for it. That is not the right attitude. No. We may struggle. We may have things that we deal with. We may even have addictions that, are, that feel like they have chains around us. But we recognize this is wrong and we may have a different attitude towards it. Before we come to know Jesus, we, we, we might love those things. We want more and more of it. We don't even think about any wrongness. But when Jesus rules our life, when we do those things, we are devastated. When we do those things, we're heartbroken. It bothers us. And we fight. And we, we don't justify it by saying, well, it's just a little thing. It's just a little thing. Oh, God won't mind if I do that. We can't do that. Though we can be tempted to do it. We don't do that. We agree with God. When God says something is sin, we agree with Him. And we take every effort that we can to put our sin to death. Not, again, I want to say this, not so that God will accept us. The motivation is, is so key here. We don't do those things so that God will accept us. We do those things as a result of the fact that He has already accepted us. We do those things because we have now been made children of God. And we, when we sin, we realize we have hurt our Savior. That when we do those things, we are doing the things that put the nails through Jesus' hands and feet. We are doing the things... That Jesus bled for. 
So we live a life of repentance. We live a life of self-denial. Again, not to try to gain God's favor, but because He's already favored us. He's adopted us. He has made us His children. Another kind of self-denial. We all want to be liked. We want people to like us. And this world, Jesus said, don't think it's surprising when the world hates you. It hated me. It's going to hate you too. Isn't that an encouraging thought? It is an encouraging thought when we realize that when we get that heaped upon us, that hatred, those insults, and all of those things, it's confirmation that what Jesus said about us was right. It's confirmation. It can build us up in our faith. When we have accusations, when we have people saying, oh, you Christians are such hateful bigots. That is confirmation for us that we are true believers. To be a Christian, to carry our cross, to deny ourselves mean that we don't give in to the world's standards. The world, the culture that we live in today, has an agenda of sexual liberation that says... Love is love. Be with whoever you want. Uh, An agenda that says, you know, I feel like I want to be a man today or a woman tomorrow or whatever. And the agenda of the culture says, if you don't agree with that, if you don't affirm that, then you must be a hateful bigot. Bigot. And when the world calls us hateful because we say God created man and woman in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. He created male and female in His image. When we say the things that the Bible says and we are responded to, it is a confirmation that we are denying ourselves our own desire to be liked, our own desire to, to, to get along with other people. We are denying ourselves so that we can take the reproach of the cross. We may not take a wooden cross on our backs. We may not, but you know, some people may experience lawsuits. Some people may uh, and have experienced jail time. I've heard of pastors in Canada and other places that have, have been in prison because of preaching against homosexuality. When we take up our cross, one, We fight our own sin. We deny ourselves by doing that. Two, we deny ourselves by taking a stand on those moral issues in which our culture is pressing us, pressing us, pressing us to give in. And we say, no, 
The Bible has spoken. And let the, let the chips fall where they may. Let, because when we take the reproach, when we take the accusations and the, and the um, slander that comes against us, we just know we're fulfilling what Jesus said. The world hated me. It's going to hate you too. What did Jesus do? It was about what He said, isn't it? I mean, yes, Jesus went to the cross because God had planned it from the foundation of the earth. It was His predetermined plan that Jesus would come to the cross. But yet it was also because of what He said. He kept calling the Pharisees and the scribes, you brood of vipers, you snakes. See, you you guys are acting like your father the devil. The Pharisees didn't like that. He was saying, I'm God in the flesh. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And the Pharisees couldn't handle it. This guy claims to be God. That's blasphemous. It's because of what he said. When we take up our cross and we follow him, people are going to hate us because of what we say. People are going to hate us because of what we say. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Our existence can all be about self-preservation. If I speak up at work, I could lose my job. Well, are you going to try to save your life here? Or will you lose your life here to find it for Jesus' sake? It says, for whatever, what will it profit a man if he gains, his whole, gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? We can be popular. We can maybe get a bigger crowd if we just soft pedal talking about sin and repentance. What would that really gain? Popularity in this world. All money in this world. All the things that we can imagine if we're just going to die and, it's, and we're going to lose it all. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You know, this brings up an image of uh, the literary character uh, Faust who uh, made a deal with the devil so that he could uh, uh, have whatever he wanted. But, you know, Jesus here says, what would a man exchange for his soul? That whole thing is, is, is ludicrous. If you understand that our souls are eternal, they will live forever in one place or another. If you understand that our souls will live forever in heaven or in hell, in hell, then what in the world would we do in exchange for our souls? <coughs> no amount of pleasure, no amount of goods, no amount of popularity, any of those things could ever in this life, which is only a sliver of time, could ever make up for all eternity in 
hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And Jesus says, Verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. One of these days, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, he is coming back. He will come again. Amen? And this, this mortal life we will shed, if, if, when, when he comes... The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will be raised. We will meet Him in the air. It's going to be a glorious day. And on that day, He will repay each person according to what He has done. When we are standing before Him at that time, He will be our judge. And when we stand before Him as our judge, we will have to answer for the way we've lived our lives. Will we live lives of self-indulgence now? Or will we live lives of self-denial? Looking forward to the prize before us. Verse 29, 28. Truly I say to you. Now this, this, is, this comes of difficulty here. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. What does that mean? We have the disciples here that He's speaking to. He's saying, there are some among you, some here, who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Well, Jesus hasn't come yet. What is He talking about here? Um, I think what... Ron read was really helpful, and we talked about it a little bit last night. Um, I think he made a comment that triggered something in my mind that helped me kind of put the pieces all together. So the passage from Zechariah that he read had this comment about how God would come with the uh, come with His holy angels or with His holy ones. Okay, and that's that language here is picked up whenever Jesus says. The Son of Man is going to come with his, angel, with his angels in the glory of His Father. That same kind of language there about God coming with His holy ones. So Zechariah also, when you look at that passage in Zechariah, also talks about having feet set on Mount, the Mount of Olives. Mount Olivet. Well, I really owe this to Ron. He's, a, he's becoming a very good Bible student. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, I think it is, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were there with him on Mount Olivet. There's this connection between these three, three texts. So when it says... I say to you that there are some who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. We have to understand what the kingdom of God is. We have to understand what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is something that is future, but it's also something that is present. It's something that 
he inaugurated whenever he was he whenever he resurrected from the dead. His kingdom has begun. And it will one day be consummated whenever he returns in glory. But the disciples were there present with him as he was taken up into heaven. And where do we know he is right now? Seated by the right hand of the Father, reigning over his kingdom. So I think Jesus was telling his disciples, you guys will still be around and you'll see it as the kingdom begins. They wouldn't be around until the second coming. They'd be around to see the kingdom begin. And just see, think of what they saw. They saw Jesus rise up into the air, taken up into the clouds. And the angels that were there said, He's coming back the same way that He left. We also know that the disciples a few days later were there as the Holy Spirit came and the rapid expansion of the church. 3,000 souls were saved in one day. What does that all have to do with the first part? It's part of the reward. Self-denial. It, it, it is a part of losing ourselves for the sake of gaining Christ. It is a part of of being ready for that final judgment when He comes, but it's also a part of being our participation in the kingdom now. If we're living lives of self-indulgence, if we're just doing everything we can to please ourselves, then we're not participating in God's kingdom. But by living self denying lives, by taking up our cross, by following Jesus, we are taking part in the kingdom of God right now where we are. As we are living these lives, sharing the gospel, seeing people saved, coming into the kingdom, we are participants in the kingdom now. So we live lives of self-denial, not so that we can get God to accept us, but so that we can gain our life by losing it. We live, live lives of self-denial by taking up our cross so that we will be ready when that final judgment comes. And we live lives of self-denial taking up our cross so that we can participate in what God is doing right now. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.